Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. The Denver Nuggets, they might have had the steal of the deadline, being able to, to land Aaron Gordon. They get off of Gary Harris's money. Uh, they still are able to start Will Barton, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., uh, as well as Joker, who's having an MVP-type season. So I think they're definitely going to get better. It's hard to turn it off. You're constantly in fight-or-flight mode because you have to be worried about what time you have to test. You have to be worried about being isolated. Even when you have an off day, you still have to test at the facility. But I think all of those things are kind of playing into stress levels rising and, and, and guys becoming more and more drained. I am dishing on Jokic for the MVP of the season, although he's having a fantastic year. His numbers are outrageous. Maybe I do have a little bit of hometown bias, but I'm leaning towards Dame. Welcome to the 109th episode of Pull Up. That's right, episode 109. On this day, as we record, uh, March 31st, 2021, on this day, March 31st, 1982, the NBA and the Players Association reached a four-year agreement that included a revenue-sharing plan, the first of its kind in all of team sports. Players were to receive 53% of revenue starting in the 84 and 85 season. You fast forward now to 2021, and this revenue share situation is huge for all major sports, and it's how a lot of us are able to continue to make so much money in this sport. Looking at the revenue shares now, it's currently 51-49 split, where the ownership groups receive 51%, and the players receive 49% after expenses, of course. And with the way their tax situation is set up, they do a great job of writing things off like parades and things of that nature. But that's the fun fact of the day before we get started. As we currently record this podcast, I'm in Detroit, actually just landed not too long ago, I'm feeling great. Um, this was a, a long road trip where we basically take the longest flight possible, uh, flying from Portland directly to Miami. It's a very, very long flight, but there's a nice reward at the end of the tunnel once you get there uh, because the weather is always so nice and uh, the vibes are undefeated. But with that being said, it was a, a unique situation with us flying to Miami and the trade line actually uh, approaching. And I'll get into that a little bit later and discuss, you know, the trade uh, which took place for us personally with Gary Trent Jr. being traded along with Rodney Hood uh, for Norman Powell. So I'll definitely get into that later. But first, I just want to talk about where we're currently at, um, being able to first beat Miami, then play Orlando on a back-to-back. Dame was able to get some rest. Um, he's, he's got some nagging injuries. He basically has two bruised knees and, and has been battling all season and carrying a heavier load with, with uh, the injuries we face as a team. 
with Nurk being out, with myself being out, and having some other guys in and out of the lineup and in and out of rotation, it's forced Dame to kind of carry a load. And I'm glad he was able to kind of get a rest. And that was actually Norman Powell's first game, uh, which he started and played extremely well, breaking the Portland Trailblazers franchise record for most points in their first start for a franchise and he did exactly what he needed to do for us and hopefully he can continue to build upon that following that game uh, we actually flew to Tampa Bay which used to be Toronto but they've relocated to Tampa Bay and I must say that's a great city I see why Tom Brady went there. Um, it's beautiful. <laughs> the harbor is really, really pretty. We stayed at the JW Marriott, and there was actually a hockey team uh, that flew in and stayed there as well. But I just love the vibes. I wouldn't be mad at an NBA team getting relocated to Tampa. Um, it's it's probably a difficult situation for the Raptors to be uh, removed from their homes, have to rent houses and things of that nature. But on the bright side, they got extremely nice weather, and they're able to have some fans in the arena, which kind of gives them – you know, sometimes an advantage, but in our case, it was a disadvantage because there were more Portland Trailblazer fans in there than there were Toronto Raptors fans, which is kind of funny because this is a city that doesn't get NBA teams uh, very often. That They're not able to either go to games or be exposed to them, so you can kind of see how excited uh, they are for other teams to come into the arena, but... I'm feeling better, I'm continuing to get rehab, continuing to take advantage of off days where I'm able to kind of get some workouts in. And today I got some some light shooting in because I haven't been shooting well from three, uh, figuring out you know ways to continue to, to kind of contribute to this team, whether that's getting assists, keeping my turnovers low and helping rebound while defending. And I think we've done a good job specifically in that third quarter against Toronto where we only gave up 10 points. Uh, we kind of locked in. And that was our first time playing together collectively uh, with the return of Nurk uh, coming back. Uh, he gives us a different dynamic with his ability to kind of get out and hedge, his ability to, to make plays um, offensively off the pinch post. He's got a little bit of Kevin Love in him, a little bit of Marcus Saul where he can throw the, the backdoor bounce pass. He's smart um, with, the, with his European influence and the fact that he played abroad. He has a lot of different skill sets that we've been able to utilize. And Ennis has still uh, been a major, major contributor for us. And and obviously his minutes are, are down a little bit with him and Nurk kind of staggering. But Ennis has still figured out a way to get, you know, 10 to 15 rebounds a night regardless of circumstances and regardless of touches, which is a credit to him and his ability to carve out space. But looking at the... The Toronto game, uh, we, won it, we won it in different ways. We gave up 41 points in the first quarter, about 34 in the second, held them to 10 points in the third, and then kind of slugged it out in the fourth quarter. Uh, I think I shot one for seven from three, but did a great job finishing around the basket, got to my mid-range, and I was able to, to kind of close that game out. Uh, I think I scored seven straight, got a couple floaters, got an and one, even threw in a nice little shimmy. Um, because, you know, when you're when you're in nice weather, things are just better. And that's the way I was feeling. I would say that I'm close to 100%. I think I said it during the Miami game that I was about 90. I'm still trying to build my base back up, which is the, the last part of the transition. Um, obviously, my foot feels strong. There's just general soreness, which is normal after games and things of that nature. But being able to shoot while I'm tired, being able to have that that leg stamina and that discipline um, to, to keep good form, uh, to keep good balance, and uh, to be able to move, play 35, 36, 37 minutes in a back-to-back and still be able to finish game strong is the, is the next step for me. So I would say that I'm extremely close, and each day I feel more comfortable 
I've only played seven games um, since January uh, 13th, I believe it was, when I got injured. So I haven't really been able to practice. We joke all the time that I've played seven games and I've had 13 workouts uh, since January. So it's taken some time, but I- I'm looking forward to continuing to be out there. I love the additions of Nurk and I'm really looking forward to, to talking about, you know, not only our trade at the deadline, but some of the buyouts that occurred and what the NBA is currently looking like. So make sure you're following the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your shows. Uh, hit us with a five star rating and review. Share the show with a friend and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pull Up Pod for fresh content up there all season long. And coming up next, we got so much to discuss, including injuries around the league, um, how that kind of changes the landscape of things. Talking about the MVP, I think Dame should definitely be in the conversation. And I think if we continue at this pace, he should be considered as a winner. Also, talking about the trade deadline and so much more. As I said before, the trade deadline occurred while we were in Miami and threw us for a bit of a curveball. Obviously, relationships are built over the course of a career and over the course of a year where you spend more time in the locker room um, with your teammates than you do with your families. You travel alongside teammates and staff and spend so much time together, you basically become like family. And I think in this particular situation, you know, it's the it's the part of the business that we hate the most, uh, but you understand it. Um, you understand that it's a part of the business and it's a part of each team and each organization's job to figure out ways to improve the roster and, and try to figure out ways to make the team better. And in this case, we ended up trading uh, Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood um, to the Toronto Raptors for Norman Powell. It kind of caught a lot of guys off guard, caught us off guard, and just how quick everything kind of happens. You go from practicing and playing in a game with everybody, you might have you might have gone out to eat, depending on the COVID protocol and the rules, um, to literally finding out on Twitter, you know, hours before the deadline, the day of a game that a trade has occurred. And uh, for them, it's just a, it's a whirlwind because now they're trying to figure out, you know, when they're going to go to that city. They have to go through the physicals. Uh, for Rodney, he has a wife and kids. So figuring out when his wife can come down. But in this particular situation, it worked out for the better because we were already in Florida. Um, so it was just a two-hour drive for them to basically go from Miami uh, to Tampa to kind of check in, do their physicals, get a little workout in, and get ready to play. And I think what made this even more interesting is the fact that we actually had to play the team uh, like 48 hours later, essentially. Uh, usually when you get traded, you don't play your your old team that fast. So it was definitely nice to see them to be able to catch up, kind of see how things are going. Um, both their spirits were extremely high. I think, you know, in both their cases, it's a different situation for Rodney. He's been in the league for a long time. He's been traded before, so he understands the process. Uh, he's a vet, and I think he definitely helps them long-term as a, as a good locker room guy, a guy who can contribute. He was finishing games for us, you know, defensively with him being 6'9". He's super versatile. And as I said before, I'm a big fan of his personality. Um, he's from the South. He's, he's a great dude. and He's an undercover comedian. He's extremely funny and um, was just a, a great guy to have around. And then you look at Gary Trent Jr. with him being younger. Um, you know, only team he's been around is Portland being in Portland. Uh, starting to contribute. You know, he was a starter while I was out. He played extremely well, showed a lot of different things. And his value uh, rose throughout the season based on his shot-making ability to knock down threes. He was defending, you know, kind of getting stamped as a 3 and D guy who's becoming a free agent. And you look at the Raptors and what they're trying to accomplish. Um, 
They trade Norman Powell, um, who's an established veteran in this league, been in the league for over six years, was having a career year, averaging over 19 points per game, uh, shooting career highs from three, career high from the line, as well as uh, in the paint. And he's a guy who just comes in right now, ready to play. You kind of know what you're going to get from him. Um, he's He's got playoff experience. He's won a championship. He's got a great personality and he works hard. But it's a tough situation for all players involved because he has to get uh, reacclimated with a new team uh, in the middle of a season. He has to kind of understand how we do things. He has to get a better understanding of our chemistry. But luckily for him and, and for all of us involved, uh, we're all happy-go-lucky people. Uh, we want the best for everybody, and we take him right under our wing right away. I talked to Kyle Lowry about him, you know, how he can help us. I talked to A.J. Diggs about how he can help us and just trying to make his transition as smooth as possible because I can only imagine, you know, what he's going through right now, having to first move from Toronto uh, to Florida and now going from Florida all the way across the country to Portland. Uh, it's, it's definitely going to be a lot, but we're expecting big things from him. We're expecting him to continue to be aggressive, uh, obviously be a shot maker, a shot taker for us, a guy who can get to the line more often and, and another guy who can defend him. So far in our first game, we were able to have a three-card lineup. I think our offensive rating was you know, over 100, and our defensive rating was was 80, which is extremely good. And I think we were a plus 23 on the court together in about 20 minutes. And obviously, it's a it's a small sample size, and we'll have to continue to build. But I like the way our team is rounding out. I like the shape we're in, and, and I like the direction we're heading. And I'm looking forward to seeing how we build. But I'm also looking forward to, to seeing how Gary Trent continues to grow seeing how Rodney continues to grow. And I'll, they'll definitely be one of my uh, league pass favorites uh, as we continue to go forward throughout this season. But that wasn't the only trade that happened during the deadline. There was a lot of movement. Uh, I think one of the most significant trades uh, that we didn't talk about was the Rondo trade. Uh, Lou Williams going back home to Louisville. He discussed how he was close to retiring. And I think he even said it in an Instagram comment um, in months prior that this is the last run for him and that if he does leave, he's going back home to Louisville. So I think the Clippers did him a solid by trading him uh, to a situation in which he is home. Uh, he has a place in Atlanta. He's comfortable there and he can eat as many lemon pepper wings as his heart desires now. So I think that'll be great for him. And on the flip side, you look at the Clippers and what they were missing. Patrick Beverly has been hurt. He's been in and out of the lineup all season. Um, Reggie Jackson played extremely well last night. Luke Kennard is getting more minutes. The young fella um, is, is also playing their, their young draft pick. But Rondo gives them a veteran presence, championship pedigree, a guy who can do all the little things, can impact the game without scoring, and is comfortable in a lot of different roles. Looking at what he was able to accomplish with the Lakers when he came back from injury last season in the bubble, uh, he helped elevate them and took them to a championship level, um, making threes, uh, being able to get steals, push the tempo, and he's also still a pretty good defender. So I think they definitely got better. The Denver Nuggets, uh, they might have had the steal. Uh, besides the Miami Heat, I think they had the steal of the deadline, being able to, to land Aaron Gordon. They get off of Gary Harris's money. Uh, they still are able to start Will Barton. Um, Jamal Murray, uh, Michael Porter Jr., uh, as well as Joker, who's having an MVP-type season. So I think they're definitely going to get better. They have depth. Um, Aaron Gordon is a is a very, very versatile player. Uh, Would have looked good in a, in a Trailblazer uniform, um, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Looking at the Miami Heat, them being able to pick up Oladipo, um, a guy who's going to become a free agent. He's explosive. He can play on the ball. He can play off the ball. He's a two-way player, and I think he pairs well next to Jimmy Butler. And I think he's happy um, to be in Miami. He's a guy who trains in Miami in the summertime. I think 
Pat Riley does it again. You know, that was a that was a brilliant move. And I thought they were going to land LaMarcus and they didn't. LaMarcus chose to go to Brooklyn. So now the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nets get two major, major signings in the buyout market with Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge. They definitely improved. They got better. Their team hasn't been able to play together most of the season. Kyrie's been in and out of the lineup. KD's been hurt um, with, I think, a hamstring injury. But James Harden has played extremely well this season. They're one of the hottest teams in the NBA. And if they're healthy going into the playoffs or if they have two of the big four, two of the big five or three of the big five playing, they're going to be a tough out in the Eastern Conference. Um, Turning the page. Looking at Kyle Lowry not getting traded, I think that is the story of the deadline. Um, Drake actually FaceTimed him during his media availability uh, after the the last game before the deadline. Kyle threw up the deuces as he walked out of the arena. It was all it was all but written uh, that he was going to be leaving. It was just a matter of where was it the Lakers, uh, was it the Sixers, was he going back home to Philly, was it the Miami Heat. There were a lot of different questions. I think it came down to the Miami Heat not wanting to trade Duncan Robinson, not wanting to trade Tyler Hero, two, two young players who contribute in different ways. Hero having a ability to score off the bounce, uh, more of a flashy player. Duncan Robinson being a catch-and-shoot specialist who's, you know— only making eight hundred, nine hundred thousand a year, who has a big, big price tag, you know, going forward. I think the Miami Heat made the right decision by signing Oladipo, a guy who's gonna become a free agent, and they'll have his bird right. So I think that was great. But the interesting thing was the Lakers not being willing to trade Taylor Horton Tucker. I think he's a very, very good player. He's young, he has a bright future. But if they're trying to win a championship now, I think Kyle Lowry is the better fit alongside LeBron James, alongside Anthony Davis, KCP, Kuzma, and so many others. So I'm I'm surprised they didn't do that. Um, But, you know, in this business, you have to protect your young assets, especially uh, when you believe they have a high, high ceiling. And I think last but not least, I didn't talk about Drummond to the Lakers, another guy who went through the buyout market. Um, This has become extremely popular in the NBA. Guys are being bought out and sometimes giving back money. That kind of shows you, you know, where they're at financially, but also shows you that happiness is more important than anything. Uh, no money can buy you happiness. And if you uh, want to con- continue to kind of further your career in a different direction, in a different situation, sometimes guys will be willing to give back money and the organization will be willing to pay you to leave. Um, so I, I think this trade deadline uh, more so than any other one I've been a part of has been different. It's been unique. And I'm fortunate to be in a position to where there may be rumors, but I'm pretty safe and secure with with where I'm at within my standing in the organization. But I still feel for so many players um, who have to worry about being traded, who then have to kind of figure out the moving situation with six, seven weeks left in the season and how to kind of maneuver through that. But I think it was reported that this was the most trades that ever happened um, at a deadline. And ironically, Every player in the NBA named Gary um, was traded with Gary Harris um, going to Orlando, Gary Clark going to Denver, and Gary Trent Jr. uh, going to Toronto. And ironically, Gary Trent Sr. was traded in his third season, 41 games into the season, uh, to Toronto about 30 years ago, which is crazy. They averaged the same amount of career points at this stage in their career. And that's one of the reasons why Gary Trent Jr. decided to switch his jersey number and will now represent the same number that his father, a.k.a. the Shaq of the Mac, wore. But those are my thoughts on the actual trade deadline, uh, who got better. Um, Some teams definitely didn't get better around the trade deadline, but I'm looking forward to seeing 
how Norman continues to help us um, going forward as we continue to build and get closer to the playoffs. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention how excited we are to have Nurk back. I know I talked about it briefly earlier in the podcast, but just his energy, his ability to kind of impact a locker room. He's a bubbly guy. He's excited. He's happy. You know he's going to bring out some crazy outfits. But just overall, having gone through so many injuries, I know what this game means to him. And I know how you can feel disconnected and away from the team when you're battling stuff. So it's... It's great that he's back, and we're looking forward to continuing to build um, with him. Turning the page, one of the worst parts about the NBA is injuries. It's a part of the game, but it sucks. And and looking at this season, we've definitely had some unfortunate injuries. Obviously, LeBron spraining his ankle, kind of freak accident. A guy dies uh, for the ball and, and twists his ankle at a pivotal point in the season down the stretch, which kind of sets the Lakers back, considering the fact that AD is already out with some Achilles injuries and, and issues. KD, you know, coming back from an Achilles injury, has some hamstring issues and has been missing a lot of games for the Brooklyn Nets. Giannis was out. Now he's back to playing. Clay, obviously, uh, another guy who's been hurt most of this season. Um, Warriors haven't been the same. The Splash Brothers are, are definitely missed. Steph was out, you know, for a little bit. There were there was questions surrounding you know his injury, whether or not he had a hairline fracture in his tailbone, and he was able to kind of return and ended up dropping thirty two points the other night. So the NBA definitely missed him. The rookie of the year favorite, LaMelo Ball. Another guy who goes down with a freak injury. I think he ends up breaking his hand or his wrist, has to get surgery, which is you know, a direct contact injury. So I don't necessarily correlate that to the travel. I don't correlate that to the condensed scheduling because that's just a compact um, compound you know, situation where if you get hit, you know, regardless of if it's a back-to-back or not, you know, chances are something's going to break. And obviously with me, you know, landing on someone's foot and being trapped and and unfortunately breaking my foot is just a freak accident. But I think historically, you know, when you see certain types of injuries, whether they're non-contact or not, you start to think about the schedule. Are we playing too many games? Is the back-to-backs getting to the people? Are the stress levels continuing to rise due to COVID with the testing protocols that we have with us, you know, basically being isolated in our rooms, not being able to do much on the road? Like what type of effect is that having on people? I think it's a combination of things. I think the stress levels have definitely raised. Uh, I'm definitely a little bit more on edge, you know, day to day. Definitely more moody, uh, having mood swings on occasion just because of the fact that it's hard to turn it off. You know, you you, you typically are able to do something. I call them, you know, healthy hobbies, things that you can do to kind of take your mind off of the game or what's going on, your performance, things of that nature. But now you're constantly in fight or flight mode because you have to be worried about what time you have to test. You have to be worried about being isolated, not being around people. You can't go out to eat on the road. You can't really gather with your teammates because you never know if someone's going to pop a positive. All these things are kind of playing a factor. And even when you have an off day, you still have to test at the facility between five and six. So you're never really off. And I think all of those things are kind of playing a playing into stress levels rising and, and, and guys becoming more and more drained. And you, you look at you know, what the Spurs have done historically, you know, they've had the blueprint for success in how to rest players, keeping Tony Parker's minutes down, keeping Tim Duncan's minutes down, Mono Ginobili, rent, Ginobili, Mono Ginobili, and randomly resting guys uh, throughout the season in order to not only keep them fresh for the playoffs, but to also get the second unit guys and some of those key role players more experience, more confidence, and more comfort 
uh, to be able to finish games when they matter. I think all those things uh, have helped. And, and now the NBA has also implemented rules on resting policy, you know, making sure you have to have an injury listed. Maybe it's a previous injury, not being allowed to rest guys or nationally televised games, which makes sense. But I think all in all, you have to find that fine balance and that fine line between the travel, when to rest, when not to rest, and strategically how to keep certain guys' minutes down. And, and when you're a team who's extremely balanced and, and well thought out and well put together, you can afford to rest guys, but certain teams just aren't built that way or in the manner in which they can afford to rest their star players. So I think there's a balance, but this season has been unique. Um, it's been a lot of travel. Uh, it's been a lot of games. I think we play 16 or 15 or 16 games in April, uh, essentially playing a back-to-back um, every week uh, with with us typically doing the most amount of traveling in the NBA and then me typically doing the most amount of running in the NBA coming off a broken foot. It's been a lot for me physically, but I won't blame the, the condensed schedule on some of the injuries I've seen. Uh, but I think from a compound standpoint, AD's Achilles injury, it's unique uh, because I think it is more so usage with with us playing in the bubble, having a shortened offseason, I believe it was 72 days, uh, not being able to give the body the proper rest that it needs. I think certain injuries are because of overusage and and, and they only heal with rest. A lot of those things only heal with rest. So I think that's kind of where I stand currently. Uh, I'm not saying I want more rest. I'm just simply saying that we have to keep all these things in mind as we progress towards the playoffs because with this season being so condensed, um, there's not a lot of time for rest. and There's also a lot of, not a lot of time for guys to recover if they are injured because there's so many games uh, happening each and every day. Moving forward to one of my favorite segments, uh, pull up or dish, basically a segment in which I talk about whether or not I agree. If I agree, I pull up. If I don't, I dish. This is centered around the MVP discussion. Nikola Jokic, is he the MVP this season? He's averaging 27 points, which is seventh in the NBA, 8.5 assists, six in the NBA, 11 rebounds, eighth in the NBA. He's the odds on favorite to win MVP in Vegas right now at minus 110. The others are LeBron plus 600, Embiid plus 600, Harden, Giannis, and Dame is plus 1,200 to win MVP this season. I am dishing on Jokic for the MVP of the season, although he's having a fantastic year, his numbers are outrageous. I'm leaning towards Dame. I'm leaning towards Dame, and maybe I do have a little bit of hometown bias, but just some stats for you to kind of give you reasons as to why I think he should win it. First things first, he's been playing, you know, majority of the games this season without two starters, um, one of them being myself. Um, the other being Yusuf Nurkic, two huge pieces to our team. Still figuring out ways to score 30 points per game while leading us to victory and keeping us in standings, um, whether that's in the three, four, five, six seed in the playoffs in a very, very crowded Western Conference. The fact that the Blazers as a whole, we won our league best 21st game in what is defined as a clutch game. Uh, within five points in the last five minutes. Our record is 21-7 and seven in those games. Only the Boston Celtics have played more clutch games than us this season, and the Boston Celtics are 11-19 in such games. 
you look at what he's meant to us um, as a whole, from a leadership standpoint, to what's asked of him, to how he carries himself. Uh, the guy's averaging a little under 30 points per game, a little under eight assists, four rebounds, great plus minus, 94% from the free throw line, uh, which is ridiculous on seven plus attempts. I think the writing is on the wall in terms of what he means to the franchise and what he's done, but I think it's time he gets his due respect from the league. So if Jokic doesn't win it, I think it should go to Dame. Those are just my thoughts. But looking at Joker for a second, how his game has evolved. I've heard people talk about Larry Bird. I've heard people talk about his versatility and ability to, to pass. He's one of the most polished bigs I've ever seen in my life. Um, he makes the game look easy. Uh, he got pump fakes. He's got pivots. He's got spins. He's strong. At times, he's graceful, but it's just an awkward game that he's mastered and He's virtually unstoppable. Talking about a guy who was a second-round pick. He went 41st in the draft. Doesn't have the, as they say, typical NBA body. He's the guy you kind of watch and you think, eh, maybe I can do that too. And then you try it and you're like, wow, this is, this, is, <laughs> this is elite skill with elite footwork, with touch and vision well beyond his years. So I think what stood out to me the most is how consistent he's been. Uh, some nights he scores 40. Some nights it's a 30-point triple-double. But regardless of the statistics, his impact on the game kind of shows you just how great he is. And I think going forward, uh, the Nuggets, they have a steal of all steals. And just to think they had him and Nurk in the same front court, imagine if they would have been able to keep both of those guys. It's crazy. Looking at LeBron, this is probably the first time he's been hurt um, from an ankle standpoint. You know, he's had some growing issues in the past, but this is the first time he's been hurt for more than a month. Um, the Lakers are struggling, but I think seeing how he comes back from this injury will kind of determine the Lakers' future. Um, AD's obviously battling the Achilles. He posted a picture saying that he's loading, which means he's getting closer and closer to returning. But I think that going forward, if a LeBron is not at 100%, it'll be very, very hard for the Lakers to win a championship. My next pull-up or dish is Anthony Edwards for Rookie of the Year this season. I'm pulling up on it. I think that with LaMelo Ball being out indefinitely with a right wrist fracture, this gives Edwards the green light. He's averaging over 24 points per game in March. He became the third youngest player in NBA history with a 40-point game versus the Suns. He's becoming more aggressive. He's becoming more consistent. He's becoming more efficient. And you can see it on his face. He's having fun. And obviously with Malik Beasley coming back um, to the Timberwolves, that kind of changes their team dynamic and gives him more freedom uh, to kind of operate with another guy out there who can score. So I'm a big fan of him. I've said it before. I, I thought they should share um, Rookie of the Year. And with LaMelo going now, I think they should either share or Anthony Edwards should win. And I am still a huge fan of Halliburton um, in Sacramento. I like quickly. I like James Wiseman. But I think Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball are head and shoulders above the rest with Halliburton being a close, close third. I think the loss of LaMelo gives Charlotte a chance to really see what they have in Devontae Graham, um, as well as my favorite, Terry Rozier, another Ohio guy who's having a, a career year, being efficient, hitting big shots. But Devontae Graham is a shot maker, guy who shoots a lot of threes at a high clip. He's extremely efficient um, from the three-point range. And I think they're in a position now where they know LaMelo is the point guard of their future, but kind of figuring out who they pair alongside him going forward. And this is a great chance for them to kind of experiment. 
Transitioning to the next segment, get the dub, take the L. Got the dub. Double digit seeds making a name for themselves in the NCAA tournament. I always love to see it. Oral Roberts, a 15 seed, almost making it to the Elite Eight. Oregon State continuing to fight despite being picked to finish last in the pack. Syracuse, Melo's team, doing well this season. UCLA continuing to do well. And then turning the page, looking at UConn. Wild, wild win against Baylor. Controversial call. UConn fans know it was a foul, but UConn did deserve to advance. UConn looking for 13 straight Final Fours. Uh, The true freshman scores 28 points. I'm a big fan of her. I love the girl from Iowa as well. They both have game, can score all three levels. And there's been discussions about whether or not women should be able to go pro early uh, from from college basketball. And I think Scholar Diggins talked about it. Looking at the money disparities between the men and the women, Um, It doesn't make sense for some of them to go pro early unless from an endorsement standpoint, they're compensated accordingly. Uh, Otherwise, she suggested that she thinks the women should take advantage of going back to school and potentially getting their master's and things like that so that financially um, they're not dependent upon just playing. They also have that degree to kind of fall back on. But I think they should definitely have the option in the event that they wanted to go back to school. I think the university should pay for it and allow the woman to go back to school. Uh, for free. That's just my two cents on the matter. Looking at who took the L this week. High school kid challenges Brian Scalabrine, aka White Mamba, to one-on-one and gets beat 11-0. I think this is just a, a natural reminder to everyone out there um, that regardless of how many minutes an NBA player plays per game, he's still better than you. Um, their ability to be able to dominate locals, um, Rec center leagues, 40 and overs, 30 and unders, still exist. They still trained every day for a living. They still were stars on their high school teams, probably very dominant on their collegiate teams. And it's just disrespectful to think that since a guy was 14th man or 13th man on the bench, you can beat him. So kids, stop trying it, please. I wanted to make sure I specifically mentioned them both by name, Paige Beckers and Caitlin Clark. Our co-winners of the 2021 WBCA Freshman of the Year Award, I'm big fans of both of them. As I said before, they score at all three levels. They're pros. They could play at the highest level right now. And just a reminder to those people that have talked about how no one watches women's basketball. Uh, the UConn-Iowa Sweet 16 game on Saturday drew 1.559 million viewers, uh, whereas The Baylor-Michigan game drew 1.223 million. I think this kind of shows you how the women's game is evolving. I personally am a big fan. I have been watching um, recently to continue to try to support and and find ways to actively support outside of just talking about it by actually watching. So looking forward to seeing how they continue to build their game and continue to see how they can expand. Cue the Y music, please. It's time I discuss one of my favorite wines of all time, the McCollum Heritage 91 Rosé. It is a 2020 Rosé that we recently finished. I'm excited about it, looking forward to everyone getting a chance to enjoy it. With springtime coming and summertime being on the way, I think it's it's only right that we have a nice refreshing drink to provide to the masses. Uh, Definitely don't want to miss this. It has hints of strawberries, um, lemon, and plush. It's smooth. 
It's a dry wine, 100% Pinot Noir, and I think everyone should enjoy it. The process of making it was done during COVID, so the tastings uh, happened at my kitchen table alongside my wife and 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 Chef Joy, and we're definitely excited about it. Love the new designs on the bottle, love the flower. The Ethereum flower gives it a little pop, and it is a screw top, so I hope you guys definitely enjoy that. And probably the best part of all is that it's a $33 bottle, so definitely a more reasonably priced bottle. Considering the circumstances and how it tastes, you won't want to miss this. And it goes on sale April 5th at 9 a.m. Pacific time only at McCollumHeritage91.com. Thanks for tuning in to the Pull Up Pod. As you always do, we are truly appreciative of the support that you give us. Once again, don't forget to subscribe, uh, sign up, like, recommend to all your friends. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pull Up Pod and hit us with the five star reviews. As the saying goes, and don't forget to pull up.